Hello, everybody. Welcome to a uh, the new episode here at the Best at Work podcast brought to you by Best Companies Group. My name is Jaime Raul Cepeda. I'm the Executive Vice President at Best Companies Group. I am joined by an amazing guest that I'll pass over to in a second. And as we all know, whenever we're doing the work here at the Best at Work podcast, we're focused on how can you be the best at work as an employee, as a leader, as an organization. All right. Quick plug two on our upcoming conference. We have a, a conference, the Best Companies Group HR Leadership Conference will be happening in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the land of lakes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I should do my research on, on, on uh, Minneapolis. And uh, that's May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Um, it is a SHRM certified event, so you're able to get your professional development credits by attending. Have a lot of fun. We're going to honor some of the best HR teams in America. We're going to exchange some best practices on what it takes to be a best place to work, especially in 2023 when things are wild. All right. So go to bestcompaniesgroup.com forward slash conference to learn more. Okay. So now to my wonderful guest and friend, um, I always like to start this out to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself by using the interview question we all love to hate and hate to love, which is tell me about yourself. <laughs> so tell me about yourself. Well, I was born in San Francisco. No, <laughs> I'm Eliza Leone. I'm the founder of a small communications firm in San Francisco called Talk Like a Person. And I've been doing communications, coaching, training, and consulting for the last 10 years in San Francisco, but traveling all over the world doing that work. And very recently, I started my own company. And what inspired me to do that was that people don't really talk like people in business. And that was a theme throughout my tenure at other companies and working across the world. This moment in 2023 seems like a unique moment for people to just really dial into their authenticity, be real people, have those real conversations at work. And what we're seeing is people are working faster and smarter, more efficiently, mm -hmm. and having more fun at work when they do that. That's the full mission of Talk Like a Person. And for me personally, outside of work, I do a lot of theater. I do a lot of playing with my toddler and enjoying the best of San Francisco. That's Hopefully awesome. that wasn't uh, too exhausting. For an that intro. was fantastic. No, that was fantastic. So uh, we have to ask, what is the name of your uh, toddler? Hope. We call her Hopi, of course. Hope. Yeah. That is a wonderful name. Oh, wonderful thank you. Name. Well, she was born in October of 2020. So I'll let you do the math on <laughs> why hope was needed at that particular moment. I remember 2020 as being this wonderful time. So I don't know what, you, oh, what, yeah? what your experience I'm, was. I'm so happy for you, Jaime. <laughs> I'm just happy for anyone who can say that. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Isn't it like... Like we're we're still like in 2023 and we always feel like 2019 was last year, uh -huh. right? It was like, oh, last year, 2019. Oh, no, that was four years ago. Yeah. We, skipped. It's a, we just skipped a couple of years. No, we just, it's, it's you know, we skipped. Uh, that's like the intro in most, you know, shows. You skip that part. Uh-huh. You don't want to see it. You just want to go yada. to the. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm, the happy mm -hmm. times. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, it's fascinating. So I've, I've heard about what you're doing, you know, because you and I have talked. And for anyone that hasn't visited your website, which is your perfect time to plug in your website, which is talklikeaperson.co. Okay. Talklikeaperson.co. Say a little bit more about what this 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 issue that you're trying to tackle is around communication. In particular, I love if you could describe what you call the weekend voice. <laughs> yeah. What what's what's this issue in communication and business that you're trying to solve? Well, I think for the past, I wasn't around for all of business culture, but it seems to me that since things started office let's say post-industrial revolution, leaders have yeah. been doing this corporate speak, this very guarded, jargony way of talking, things like synergistically <laughs> solution-oriented, problem-solving. We start using these words that I think are designed to make us sound really smart, designed to mm. make us sound like we know something that other people don't. There's definitely some gatekeeping in there. But what happens is the people that really communicate well and are able to motivate and inspire their teams, their clients, their customers speak plainly. Mm -hmm. For those of us who are fans of politics, or maybe fan is not the right word, but watchers of politics, <laughs> you'll see this, that whenever a politician is trying to make a message for a huge, huge audience, the message starts to get more and more diluted as it tries to appeal to more people. But the candidates that usually win are the ones that talk like people that can have that plain speak yeah. because it does motivate people. It makes people listen and it's intelligible, which is so important. So when I say weekend voice, I'm really talking about how do you talk with your friends at a barbecue or in somebody's yeah. backyard? What is that sound of your voice? How do you communicate you and what's to prevent you from bringing that to the workplace? Yeah, you, because we, we the do subject have matter kind of this. will be different, <laughs> but right, you right. are still you. Right, and there's there's this idea, right, of having this a different identity at work, mm -hmm. right? Which I think up until recently we all just said that's how it goes, yeah. right? Yeah, we all kind of quietly complained about it, <laughs> but we yeah. said that's what you have to do. You have to pretend that you know, you really want to talk about the weather, you know, mm -hmm. and every single day, whenever you start a conversation, because that's how it is. But up until recently, uh, uh, now we're talking, well, maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe it makes sense for you to not do that. Maybe it makes sense for you to have more of like a authentic persona yeah. at work as well. Right. Yeah. And just an invitation to reflect on what is inappropriate for work about right. the way that I communicate outside of work. Is it really inappropriate or the wrong match for the workplace? Or am I just mirroring what I've seen from leaders for years right. and kind of going into that system? And of course, there are things that are inappropriate about, about the way that we might communicate outside of work. And usually that's content rather than yeah. just how you come across and who you are. Everybody's going to make a choice for themselves on what they want to bring to work. And my philosophy is, whatever choice you make is completely right. There's not a yeah. right way to communicate. It's just thinking about who are you plus what's going to work for your audience and where mm -hmm. you're comfortable in that equation coming out in the end. So do you, do you focus primarily on business leaders? Uh, like at the very, the very top, a certain level, individual contributors, who do you like try to help? It's kind of all over the map. Usually I'm working with 
mid, upper mid management VPs, SVPs who are trying to go into that next level and are finding mm. that there is a ceiling with communication that you are judged in a moment that moment where you're trying to become a senior leader, communication becomes so much more of it than you might think because you've been working, working, working your way up and having measurable results. And that's what gets you promoted for a while. And then there's this turning yeah. point where you have to communicate in this way that's really crisp, clear, confident in order to get promoted into those top positions. So that tends yeah. to be a sweet spot for me. But at the same time, I've worked with new managers and emerging leaders. And I kind of love that because these are people that don't have all of the baggage of how they're supposed to do it yet and are kind of on that precipice of internalizing all of that. So just having a moment right. to level set with them and say, hey, what if you talk to your reports like they're human beings? What if you talk to them they're, like, yeah, this is hard stuff and it's okay to admit that and transparency is okay. And that's kind of an exciting moment too. So all over the map, truly. One of the things I love to uh, hear more because it is something that doesn't get talked about enough in, in my experience. And this is the idea of there is a, a sort of switch that you have to turn whenever you go from individual contributor to leader or manager yeah. in terms of communicating. Right. Mm -hmm. And I see this in myself all the time. Like I kind of, I'm sure all of us, you look back at things that you wrote or said, 15 years ago when you cringe and <laughs> you're like, uh, who, yep. is, who is that person? Yes. Um, and so I, I do that for my own stuff. But then now when, and when I talk to my team or other teams or other companies, it's almost like if you just put a blindfold on and you heard someone talk, you could have a good sense of, are they, what level of the organization are they in? Mm -hmm. Right. Are they an individual contributor? Are they talking like an executive, whatever that means? Mm -hmm. There is a there is a clear difference, right? Absolutely. There's such a difference. And some of that is just kind of bias we've internalized around what a leader, quote unquote, looks like and right. sounds like at work. And then that's balanced with this idea that we want leaders to be clear and have a vision and articulate that vision very quickly. So the one kind of turning point that I always see is just comfort giving your opinion. The people that sound like leaders are more likely to say, we should do this. If we don't X, this is going to happen. And an individual contributor or somebody who's more junior might say, well, what do you think? It seems to me mm -hmm. like if we did this, maybe that would be, they're kind of hedging what they're saying. All those qualifiers. Yeah. The qualifiers. And so, of course, there's a reason that we use those. And especially when we're entering the workforce, we're so scared to do the wrong thing. It's like all these people seem to know something we don't and we're trying to pretend we do. And so everything you're saying, you're kind of looking at other people to see if it's right or wrong. So it's kind of whiplash when suddenly you're asked to have a really clear opinion, which, of course, people can always push back on. Having of an opinion doesn't mean that you're being aggressive or pushy yeah. about it. It just means here's what I think. And just being able to articulate yeah. that. That's a huge thing I work with younger leaders on. And quite frankly, mm -hmm. I work with everybody on it because someone's always in the room with someone who's more senior than them. And then that kind of language tends to crawl back in, even if they're really direct with their team. Just right. having an opinion. Right. So critical. It's it's missing now because we're all mostly or part of our time is like remote. So we're talking to each other through Zoom or, or, you know, virtual ways. 
But one of the things that I remember when, you know, when you're back in an office, if you are a completely new person to the mix, like let's say you're visiting a meeting or you're a new employee, very quickly you get to understand who has power in the room mm. simply by where people look whenever yeah. a topic or question comes up, right? Like, yeah. oh, well, this product didn't sell well this quarter. We're trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> pause and then everybody kind of like looks over <laughs> to the person that has power and it could be uh -huh. you know the highest paid person in the room it could also be if it's a if it's a group of peers mm -hmm. the the person that everybody considers sort of like an informal leader right um so people are paying attention to certain people and then whenever that person speaks then it it, it tends to move the conversation and wherever they want to go yeah it's such a phenomenon yeah. And just that eye contact, I mean, it, it speaks volumes. What if you're the person that is in the room and notices everyone swiveling their head toward the leader and you just come in with an opinion and yeah. pause and let other people have theirs? That's so scary. But those are the moments that the leader in the room goes, oh, Jaime can support me. Jaime could be the next person to lead this team. Right. It's just those kinds right. of small things where you have to take that risk something that feels a little uncomfortable is usually what flags you in the eyes of others. That's a great point. I think it's for anybody out there that's listening that you're early on your career or you want to be a leader or you just became a leader for the first time that, you know, what you just mentioned is so key because that's how established leaders notice others, mm -hmm. potential leaders or up and coming leaders. Because very few people do that. Very few people, you know, to your point, feel comfortable giving their opinion, uh -huh. especially when they're not paid to give their opinion, right? Yes. Um, yeah. That's how a lot of managers, leaders, executives say, oh, you know, so-and-so over there, did you did you hear what she said? Like, what's, what's her name? You know, <laughs> right. uh, and that's how it starts. It's truly how it starts. And I could go on and on about how leaders are responsible for creating the psychological safety and the welcoming, mm -hmm. the openness to have other people who are more junior feel comfortable speaking. Yeah. That is just as important. But when you're younger or when you're more junior, it pays to not wait for that as well, to kind of play from both sides, where if you're a leader, please ask people to contribute, really pause, wait for somebody to speak. They will mm. if you create that environment. And if you're more junior, take responsibility on your end by speaking, even if you don't feel like you have a perfect idea yet, that is so uncomfortable for people. It is like, I haven't researched this. How am I going to say this? It's like, why don't you just throw out an idea? You don't have to present it as though it's perfect and it's well-researched if it's not, but something Absolutely. that's what leaders are so hungry for is somebody coming with something so they don't have to do the work. That's welcome. Yeah. yeah. Now let's be clear for anybody out there. It's like, we are not recommending that you just blurt out whatever comes to mind. <laughs> That could yeah. be, you might have to update your LinkedIn profile after that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, but, I, find, I mean, I find that people are so afraid of speaking that what yeah. feels like blurting or what feels like a crazy thing to say is probably totally fine or everyone right. will forget about it in two minutes anyway. But if you are the 1% of people that will actually blurt out things that are completely unvetted then yeah it's always yeah it's good to pause and wait before you really say something and i and i you know one of the things that we love to just like talk about here is is 
not just about the work, but also like the sort of psychological, personal elements behind how we end up showing up at work. Right. And one of the things that I think is so important for anybody out there, this has helped me a lot, um, is self-awareness, right? Finding a way of taking a moment to reflect, how am I showing up? What am I like? What do I need? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Right. Cause, um, I found that, that people who are able to kind of progress in their career faster, have a high level of self-awareness, right? Well, excluding the the jerks who just like have a scorched earth strategy sure. and says, I'm going to figure out a way of, yeah, that'll get you someplace. You'll eventually have a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you'll you'll have a Netflix documentary. Yes. You know, not ideal, not ideal, not not great, not what you want. But like like self awareness, right? Because I was having a conversation with um, one of my one of my leaders like not too long ago, uh-huh. and I was like, hey, you know, so what do you think is going on with your team? He was like struggling with how to manage his team, and he's like, well, I just I feel like I don't want to like lean in too much. I don't want to be too directive, mm. right? I don't want to be too bossy. And me knowing him, like you are the least bossy person I know. <laughs> yeah. Your version of bossy is everybody else's version of, oh, okay, he's just helping us understand what we need yeah. to do, right? Mm-hmm. You over-index unless you kind of take a second to think, am I really bossy or is that what I think or what people tell me? Yeah. Self-awareness, right? It's so important. Yeah. And what you've called out is that that thing that you're afraid of doing is probably the thing that you almost never do. <laughs> Most mm-hmm. likely, like if you walk through the world thinking, oh, I don't want people to dislike me. Or I don't want to be too pushy with people. Chances are you could go to that place where you felt pushy and you would just be firm mm-hmm. and direct. It's the same people who are really worried about being uh, walked on or mm-hmm. being picked on or not getting the credit. Those people are probably getting a lot of credit and pushing for a lot of it. So those things that you really fear, those are always good things to just flag in your mind and think maybe I should solicit feedback from other people and have conversations like you did with this person of, wait, I've never felt that from you. So if you feel that, that's probably good. Yes. There's, there's no way to improve or to really gain self-awareness without getting some feedback from other people. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just thinking, what is the adjective people have said about me my whole career in a good way or in a bad way? For me, it's things like, people have said again and again, you're practical or logical. And I've always heard that as insane because I see the inside of my brain where I'm anxious and I'm going back and forth and I'm (laughs) nervous about this and that. So I'm like practical. That doesn't make any sense. But knowing that it's an adjective people have used about me my whole career, then I can say, okay, well, there's something that's coming across to people that way. And how can I harness that? How can I get better at it? And in the same way, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go for it. I was just going to say in the same way I've gotten feedback that I'm too reserved or I'm hesitant to speak. And that's the same thing of, okay, well, I feel like I'm being pretty assertive, but I'm probably going to have to feel almost aggressive internally to come across assertive and clear with others. So it's just a balancing act. I'm curious what your feedback themes or self-awareness themes are, Jaime. Um, for me, I, I constantly get, get – uh pinned as cool calm Mm. right steady Mm -hmm. and if you ask my wife or anybody that knows me really well i'm an anxious mess most of the time (laughs) yeah yeah i uh and but that's sort of what comes out and so then what what 
I've tried to do, especially when I'm like doing this or doing presentations or something, I'm like, I got to lean into the point where it feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. I got to be like, really like, Oh, super excited and energized. And like, let me tell you about this guys. And that's not how I am. Uh-huh. But I know that if I go back to the, what's comfortable, I go deeper, deeper, deeper into this cool calm. And like, that's not really, you know, that's not, doesn't help sometimes it does, but not always. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you are so. you are enthusiastic in your weekends. You might not be like the guy who's like, oh yeah, bada bing, bada boom, but you are you have warmth and energy. <laughs> they still use that bada bing, bada boom. That's the cool thing. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out here. I don't know. <laughs> but you you do have energy and and so much warmth in your weekend right. self. So what you're talking about is sometimes what happens at work where we have right. like this this work persona where we're a little bit nervous to show that side of ourselves. Maybe there's part of you that thinks, well, I don't want to be silly or not taken seriously. So I'm going to over index on my gravitas and my calm. And that's just a a constant balancing act that we do at work. Yeah. I I, want to like go a little bit deeper on that one because I think it, it ties really well into this whole idea of how you show up then. Right. Mm -hmm. When like you're talking about like the switch, right. That you turned off as soon as Monday morning comes on. Yeah. Right. You turn off your weekend switch and you turn on your work switch. Um, you know, cause like for me, for example, it, it, and I'm sure that you've experienced this too, cause you've, you've like done like some, just like a really amazing work. You work with some amazing companies and you know, you're not 60 years old. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. and you, but you probably hang out with a lot of people that are much older than you are. Right. Be, but your experience because of you, how much you've done, right? Mm-hmm. There's this almost a, a, a sense of, do I belong here? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it, you know, you still feel like the kid in the room, right? Surrounded by adults. I don't know if you feel that way, but I sometimes feel like that. Yeah. Right. And I have to remind myself of, no, I bring something to this, right? I may not bring the wisdom, but I bring curiosity. Yeah. I may not bring decades of experience, but I bring uh, an open mind, right? Mm-hmm. I may ask all the right questions. So it's it's about how you frame it, right? And how you, almost like how do you deal with something that could be very vulnerable, mm-hmm. right, at work, oh, right? Yeah, it's a real minefield. I remember over 10 years ago when I started mm-hmm. doing this work and I was 26, walking into these rooms full of, white men, 55 plus wearing the exact same shirt. Like they were all wearing a button up blue shirt. Cause I used to work at a lot of finance companies and yeah, I would go all over, all over America. There's certain offices where it's one kind of person and you walk in there. And I just remember feeling like, what are these people gonna wanna hear? For? Like, why am I here? Who cares what I have to say? And I think the more that that was my talk track inside the more that I would prove them right even if I don't even know if they were feeling that Mm. they were probably just like okay here's a training I'm going to whatever but the more I would kind of my voice would get higher and maybe I would end sentences with question marks more than I would otherwise and over time I realized I just need to balance all of my youth with gravitas and there's there's behaviors that bring out that gravitas, like more pausing, standing up really tall and straight, ending your sentences with inflection down. Mm. Really detailed stuff, but it does bring that out. And 
I think what's important is awareness of how you come across. Part of that is your age, how you look, all of those things. And these are pieces that can really scare people because if you if you're of a group that experiences bias and prejudice and racism or whatever it is, of course you have a ton of awareness of that in your mind when you're walking into different rooms. Mm-hmm. And to be able to isolate what are the behaviors that will help me in this situation and what are the behaviors that people will look for to inspire trust, that can be really helpful. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that that internal monologue really ever stops. I think part of it is just fake it till you make it and you're, try to figure out how to present what you want to. Right. You're, you're, talk, you're talking a lot about a lot of uh, self-work, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, taking moments to reflect, analyze yourself, think about what you, what you, how you're showing up, what you need, who you are. Mm-hmm. Is that part of what you end up helping your, you know, your clients with, like kind of the internal work that you have to do to show up well? when you have to make a presentation or a speech or just communicate with your teams. It's interesting. It used to be all outside in. Like I would teach you how to gesture. I'd teach you how to Mm. use your facial expression and blah, 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 and your content, but it's all outside in. And I found that there was a real limit to that. It does do something where I could teach you how to build the muscle memory so that regardless Mm -hmm. of how you're feeling, you can have a great presentation or a great client call or whatever it is. But if you're going to keep that going and feel like you're getting more comfortable at it, there is always an internal element of, okay, why are you scared of Mm. smiling at work? Or what is scary to you about pausing and having silence happen? I worked with a client last week who we were working on concise sentences because she had a tendency to say the same thing three different ways without pausing And it was getting her feedback that she wasn't concise. So we were working on short sentences with pauses and just practicing drills going over and over with that. And she said to me, you know, I've just realized in this conversation that I do this because of my experience growing up and having the experience of trying to please a parent and trying Mm -hmm. to find the words to say that would please them in that moment. Wow. And I thought that was such, such powerful self-awareness from her to be able to identify that. But it also always, also always comes back to something, some kind of experience that you've had. These behaviors helped you in a situation. They're not bad. (laughs) They're a whole, you're a whole person and you've had all these experiences. So sometimes, even though it feels kind of hokey, sometimes just saying to that behavior, like, thank you for serving me to this point. And I don't need you in this situation. You can take a seat. And I can come back to you in a situation that I need you later because there's really no wrong. Like that's the right behavior for a different situation. And now it's just about the awareness and tapping into a new one to replace it. It it came from somewhere uh, at a point where you needed it. Yeah. Right. To survive. Mm -hmm. And as we all do, like you just grew up, moved to different circumstances. And now maybe it doesn't, maybe it holds you back. Yeah. And that's, that's part of why it's so important to me that this isn't wrong. (laughs) The way that anybody communicates is not wrong. It's just going to be effective or ineffective in the situation you're in, in for the listener you're with. Yeah. There's no wrong form of communication. So for, for someone out there, right. Who's like hearing this and especially if they're earlier in their career, first time manager, 
and they're struggling with what you said that you were struggling like 10 years ago, right? Where you go into a room, virtual or real, whatever, and you feel like, what do I have to bring here? And that question just kind of rocks you, all right? And then you're not really able to show up the way that you want to show up. What would you advise them to start exploring or doing to get them to a point where they do feel comfortable and they do feel valuable and willing to step up? The first thing I would ask is, okay, you're different than the people in this room because of your age, because of your background, whatever that is. What is powerful about that difference? Or what do you know that they don't know? Sometimes I'll have people just write down a list like, oh, because I'm 25 and this group is 50 plus, I know about social media. I know about the areas of our market share that are younger. I know about these. Mm. Once they write down a list of things that they don't know that other people that they know that other people don't, that's empowering just to say your difference of experience is so helpful, even if it's inexperience. That's a fresh take. I can't tell you how often just having someone in the room who doesn't, who isn't entrenched in the old ways, it's mm -hmm. so refreshing because they're the person who goes, wait, why are we doing it? Why do we have six different systems for sending internal messages? <laughs> Could we maybe have one system for this? It's silly stuff like that, but it's also different perspectives on the product or the client. There's so many things you bring to the table just by having a different perspective. So really asking people to name those things that they bring that are different yeah. is really helpful. We have the data that more diverse workplaces get better ideas, get better results. And that's not accidental. There's a reason for that. So double down on what makes you different and how that brings something fresh to the table, first of all. And then secondly, practice coming across the way that you want to, which is a lot behavior. How do you pause? Do you look at people when you're speaking to them? Do you show bigness in your body or are you kind of making yourself small at the table with people? Yeah. Just taking up the space that you're assigned by being a person in the world can help show that you know what you're talking about. Just little things like that and practicing them over and over again so that when you are under pressure and your heart rate is going up and you're getting those sweaty palms, you've already practiced that behavior and you can rely on it. That's fantastic. So just to recap, you know, one is give yourself a moment to write down either mentally or really write down um, what is it that you know that they don't? What do you know that they don't and what do you bring that is missing from the room that you're about to go into? There's always something. Always. Right. Uh, no one kind has of like the exact same experiences that you do. Nobody. Nobody, right? Bring your curiosity, right? If you don't have the knowledge, bring the questions. Yeah. Right. That nobody's asking. Mm. And then yeah. practice. Practice, yeah. right? So that you feel like you you're you're creating this this new identity for you, right? That serves you a little bit better. Uh-huh. And there's almost a hack that I tell people who feel more junior in a room that you can say something that's just agreeing with somebody else in a way that does further the conversation. If Jaime mm -hmm. just made an amazing point, it is more powerful and Jaime will appreciate it if I just say, I completely agree with Jaime. That's not saying nothing. That helps the consensus. It helps people hear. I mean, it's a great thing. Yep. So just identify things that you agree with in the room and lean forward and say them with your full chest, if nothing else. That's a good one. That's a good hack. That's a good hack. Just kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, follow up on someone and, and voice, not even voice a new opinion, but mm -hmm. a supporting 
you know, vote. Yeah. And when I've been a manager in a room and I'm saying something and no one says anything. And then after the meeting, <laughs> after the meeting, five people come up to me and they go, you know, I really agree with you on that. I'm like, why didn't you say something? Where were you 10 minutes ago? <laughs> so everyone appreciates it when you speak up. Everybody does appreciate it. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. So like I mentioned before, you've worked with a lot of great companies, right? So you've seen a lot of things that organizations do well and don't around communication, what would you say are some of the most common pitfalls, right? Um, when in, in a company that doesn't maybe, I don't know, like communicate well, or just communicate poorly, but is not doing the best at sharing, you know, knowledge and information across levels, right? Yeah, the, what are some of the things that hold them back? The biggest thing is not understanding your listener. <laughs> not taking the time to understand your listener. And we see this in a lot of ways with companies. Of course, there's the non-understanding of the client or, Hey, we're a, I'm trying to think of a, a made up product. We're a plant. I have a plant right here. So we're a home plants company and we love selling this kind of plant, but no customers care about that kind of plant and they want a different kind of plant. But if you are stuck in your ways and you're not thinking listener first, audience first, you'll ignore that. The exact same thing happens internally in companies where leadership, the C-suite has an idea about how they want to communicate down the chain. They have figures that they think are exciting that don't sound exciting to the employees. And they forget that employees perceive most messages from leadership as marketing. Mm. Everything that you say as a C-suite comes across to me as an IC or a mid-manager as, well, the real story must be worse. And when I tell C-suites this, they get really defensive <laughs> because they're like, no, what? they don't. No. We're transparent. <laughs> we tell people everything. It's like, it doesn't matter. Even if you're 100% transparent and you're telling everyone everything, which I don't actually recommend, people will still hear it as there must be something else behind the curtain. Or when they say thank you for your work, they really mean it could have been a lot better. We're always looking for what you really mean. So have that in mind and know that your message is going to hit like that. and needs to be calibrated for that. But just thinking about the listener, even if you took 30 seconds before a meeting to really step into your listener's shoes and think, okay, where were they before this? What is their top stressor today? What's on their plate? Maybe they don't care about our numbers at large. Maybe they don't care about this new policy. They care about what's going to hit them and how it's going to change their day to day. If you just analyze your listener a little bit, it's going to do so much for the messaging and how you communicate. I, I imagine that that what you're saying to falls into this, you know, long and true uh, uh, rule of just you got to say the same message like almost like seven times, multiple times, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah, you know, as someone who has, you know, a team, right, that's running at, you know, totally different directions, and, and I'm not in the weeds with them. Mm -hmm. um, I constantly have to remind myself that I think about all the things they think about all the time. They don't, mm -hmm. right? They think about the work that they have to do. They think about, you know, what's right in front of them. Yeah. So my view is different. And so if I go in there saying, Hey, remember that we talked about this thing a month ago that was super important that I told you? Well, here's an update. Uh -huh. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that was a month ago? no idea. Yeah. What is that about again? Can you remind no. me? They, right. they, they're not living there. Uh-huh. 
that happens all the time. Just here's what's really, really important, everybody. You all know that this is really important. And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> what was the name of that initiative? Or it's like the Z ZS32 initiative. And you're like, what does that stand for? We don't even know what the initials are anymore. Right. Just take take a step back and look at it from your audience's point of view. It's so helpful. That's awesome. That's what do awesome. you see, Jaime? What do you see problems with communicating in the orgs you work with? Oh boy. Well, I'm definitely not an expert like you. Oh, that's, um, that's an important perspective, please. Um I think what you mentioned is 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 part of it is is the the communication, the message, the presentation is often done in service of the presenter, not in mm. terms of service of the audience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um and so and I think that's also why leaders especially get so nervous about messages or speeches or presentations because yeah. they they're, they're so internally focused right like oh i gotta do this right i gotta memorize that thing i gotta remember this point i gotta say it this way where instead if you kind of just focus on the audience like what do i want to give them mm-hmm. it sort of liberates you and it's a little more fun yeah and and yeah oftentimes more effective um i you know i, I try to get better at that every time that I deliver a message is it's not about me. They're going to forget what I say. <laughs> yeah. It's about how they felt about what I said that they're going to take after the meeting. Right. Yeah. It's all emotions. How do you make emotions. them feel? That's what will stick with them. And then maybe one content piece. That's it. Right. <laughs> that's it. Right. One content piece. Yeah. And um, that's enough. Because otherwise you end up. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise you end up like having like these, these, you know, five bullet point, you know, messages where I, all of them are super important. Like, yeah. I don't, I skipped the anything. first, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I read the first one and then I went off on my day and last yeah. four, I didn't pay attention to that's happens. Yeah. Oh, all the time. Or I wrote a white paper, whatever a client's like, I wrote a white paper. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just want, oh, the just white want you to know that everyone read the top two lines and then said they'd read it later and it never happened so how else can we and they're like what the fear in their eyes is immediate yeah. but yeah when you step into someone else's shoes you realize when was the last time i read a full email and really sat to understand every word maybe never no it's liberating once not. we acknowledge that and communicate accordingly it's much better so um one of the last few questions I want to ask you here is is one that um, feel free to take this wherever you want, right? It's I always I believe that people who live or experts that live in a field have like a heightened level heightened level of taste, right, of what happens, and that they end up being really really bugged by mediocrity in that field more than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, right? you know, like like if you're a great musician. You can immediately hear like, oh, that note was off and it bugs the heck out of me and I want to go uh-huh. help that person or do something about that, right? Yeah. Where for everybody else, they're like, eh, it's okay, mm-hmm. right? And so you being in the field that you are, what are some things that you see that very few people are talking about in the field of kind of communicating and leading and you know, kind of running a, a well-informed organization? that you think is really important and you just want to introduce more into the conversation? Like what are some things that are just important, but still unsaid and you want to change? The biggest thing is that people believe content matters more than how you say it. 
Mm. It's so internalized in people. We're seeing that a lot now with these rifts that have happened. And every time a riff happens, the email that was sent out is all over the news. Everybody sees it. Everybody talks about it. And what sticks out to me is that these executives are workshopping this language. You know, they have a comms team working on exactly what they said, but they're not putting a lot into how they're saying it. Showing care is more important than saying you care. All the right words don't make people feel good if you're not showing that. So that really means facial expression as, as detailed as it is, as technical as it is, it makes such a big difference that when you're worried about delivering bad news, you often just strip your humanity from your face because you, it's vulnerable to show how you feel. So what I see is executives getting really serious. You know, we, uh, we really didn't want to do this and it hurts us more than it hurts you. It's like wrong. Mm. <laughs> Actually, no. Red flag. <laughs> yeah, right away. And so they're using this language and they're showing no care. And just to show people that you care about them does so much for a message. It's not going to be what you say. It's how you say it. We don't invest enough in how you say it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's not a lot of training or frameworks or, or education around the, the delivery of a message. It's all about, you know, make it clear, make it succinct, you know, yeah. use these words, but not so much about how you deliver it. And, mm. um, and I'm assuming that that gets even trickier when it's not, a presentation or, or something that you're given, but like in writing, mm -hmm. right? Do you go into that too and say, Hey, here's how you show up. Cause we all know the, the, the executives that have like the, the police advise replies in there <laughs> that we all, they, we all like, Oh my God, they're upset. Yeah. But you know, they don't, they don't see that, that, uh, that the impact right of their words yeah. in writing. When it's in writing, you have to understand that everything that you're writing will be read with a flatter affect than you've written it with. There's mm. an iconic key and peel sketch about text messages and interpreting these texts. If you don't know it, just search key and peel text <laughs> messages. It does a lot more than I could for articulating how we read things, but we just read it with a negative color, especially things like periods. You know that if it, if it says, okay, period, it sounds angry, even though grammatically that's just straightforward. The same thing applies to communication internally from a leader. We're going to read it with a little bit of a negative bent. And sometimes you can't present that. You can't prevent that. You don't want to put exclamations and smiley faces in a riff notification, for example. So you're just going to have to acknowledge that it's going to hit people hard and give them space to feel how they want to feel about it. Don't make it about you and how you don't want them to dislike you. You don't want them to be mad at you. Mm. That's not your responsibility. You can't make people feel any type of way, just say what you need to say and give people the space to feel how they want to feel about it truly. And don't put say your what own, you have like, to say. Don't put yeah. your own, I hate doing this. I'm so sad. It's like, if you were that sad to do it, you wouldn't do it. So you're going to do it. <laughs> so just tell us. It's the Billy Bean rule from Moneyball. Just say it. You've been traded. Get your stuff. Goodbye. And let the person feel how they're going to feel about it. That's right. That's right. That's great. So just say it um, with clarity, 
with the uh, with the best intention, yeah. and then let them hear it how they need to hear it. Right? Don't yeah. don't overpackage it. <laughs> right. We do so much working on behalf of other people's feelings about us, and that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of the most self centered thing that we can do. If you're gonna do something, do it and let people feel how they want to feel. That's fantastic. All right. Well, amazing words of wisdom throughout. Um, is there, is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap up today? No, I think that's it. Just this week, reflect on how much of your weekend person you can bring to work and how much you want to bring to work and what would happen if you did and whatever your answer is, is appropriate for you. Great. And then can you remind us again, how anybody who wants to connect with you can get a hold of you? Yeah. Talk like a person.co. Talk Like a Person is on LinkedIn. So am I, Eliza Leone. You can find me through Google. And I love to talk to anybody about anything, anytime. That's kind of the territory. So please reach out. Fantastic. Well, Eliza, thank you so much for being with us here. It was a fascinating conversation. And I have a a lot of notes here. Uh, One thing in particular that I'm going to take right after this is, which I, I never heard it this way, but it makes a lot of sense is whenever you're putting something down in writing, people usually read that a little bit flatter, a little more negative. So just be aware of that as you're putting it, you know, putting together your next email or memo, right? And uh, um, maybe maybe throw in a few emojis there, you know, every now and then if that feels right. Yeah, it depends on your audience. There's no right and wrong, just good or not good for your audience. That's right, that's right. All right, well, uh, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. For everybody else, Uh, Thank you for being here. Remember that we have the conference coming up uh, May 22nd, 23rd, 24th in Minneapolis, bestcompaniesgroup.com forward slash conference. Hopefully we'll see you there. And for now, be well, do good and be the best. Thank you so much.